Welcome to the East Coast Believers Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope this inspires and encourages you to grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Norm. This is a message that I've been carrying now for several months. And if I think if any message that I'm going to preach this year, this is one that is, I'm going to be, it's going to be more of a burden than just a message. This is something that I think that we've got to address in our culture today. This is something that I have spent a lot of time on my knees about, not just this year, but for a lot of years. And I want to deal with the topic of how to raise godly children in an ungodly culture. Now, what I do know is this, that there's going to be people here that say, I don't have kids. This doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm going to give about 15 different nuggets, and I'm just hoping you can grab one nugget that'll change your life. We're talking about anything that would, any principle that you could use to build your organization, we use the same principles to build your family. And I, and I want to start off by saying this, because a lot of people will say, well, you know, raising families, it's easy. I, I, I'm going to say this to you. I've planted churches. I've planted churches overseas. I led an organization that was involved in start 28 Bible schools, training hundreds and thousands of ministers. A Bible school planted this church. I planted other churches out of this church. And can I just tell you, that's nothing compared to raising a family. <laughs> There's some raising, come on, raising children, it's a full contact sport, everybody. It really is. And it's, it's not easy. And we, we, we want to get on the right track. And I want to be very clear and say this, that I by no means... Do I think that I'm an expert in this? We have five children. Uh, one just graduated from college. One leaves tomorrow morning to move to Phoenix for three years. Pray for Dina over there. And um, we've got three little ones at home and uh, the jury's still out on us. Uh, we don't have it perfect, but we, we, do, we do apply these principles in our lives. And the truth of the matter is, is um, we, I've got some stories. Let me tell you, I've got some stories to tell you one day. I just can't tell you right now. And um, I've got to get some distance between the, them and that now. But here's, here's the verse I want to go from. Let me set this up for you. Nehemiah, he is, he is, uh, he's coming back. He's, the children of Israel have been in exile. The Babylonians, which really is a type of the world system, kind of took over. Jerusalem was destroyed. The influences of Babylonia have been strong upon them. And so he, he's going to come back and he's trying to rebuild their nation. And when he goes back, he says, after I looked things over, which is kind of what, what we're doing, We've kind of looked things over and we're saying, hey, I stood up and said to the East Coast Believers family and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Like we're looking at the world and go, man, are we going to make it? Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Come on, everybody, who is great and awesome. Like we, we've, you see all these young people up here. Our God is great and awesome. But here's what he said. And here it is. I want you to say it as loud as you can. And one, two, three. Fight for your families, fight for your sons, and fight for your daughters. Come on, we've got to fight for our families, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your grandchildren, fight for your nephews and your nieces, fight for your students, fight for your neighbors. It's not, you're not going to raise a strong family without fighting. And so it's been, we, we've, we've, as a culture, We've become enamored with success. How many cars we drive? What kind of cars we drive? How many homes we own? How big our home is? And we're fighting for the wrong things. Don't, don't let this world define what success is for you. 
Even in the Bible, we see people, you know, King David was a great guy. King David was awesome. We're grateful for him. He was a great king. Can I, can I tell you? He was a lousy dad. Let me say that again. He was a great king, but he was not a great parent. And you can look, how do I know that? I can look at his family. It was torn apart. In our culture, our society is going in the wrong direction right now. And I'm just saying, let's just make a rally cry and say, we don't care what they're doing. We're going to fight for our families. We're going to fight for this next generation. Let me kind of set this up for you and show you why. I want to expose the lie that's out there right now. I want to expose to you why you'd even want to listen to this message. And let me set this up for you by showing you these different generations that are alive on planet Earth today. There's the builder generation. Those are the ones that were born from 1927 to 1945. They're known as the builders. 65% of that generation, they live on what we call Bible-based beliefs. They've based their life on the Bible. They're believers, which is great. But now there's another generation called the boomer generation. 1946, they were born 1946 to 1964. I just barely missed that. That's 35% of them are basing their life on the Bible. They're Bible, they're not just Christians, they're Bible believers. They're saying we're going to live according to the word. Actually, probably of all the four generations I'm going to share about today, the boomer generations are the ones that are leading most in our, in, our, in our society today. These are the political leaders, the CEOs, the corporate leaders, the superintendents of schools. This generation, 35% of them are Bible-based. And then there's the buster generation, which is my generation. They, they were born 1965 to 1983. 16% of them are Bible-based. 16. Do you see the downward spiral? And now there's the millennial generation born 1984 to present. Actually, they're splitting that up into two, but for sake of this message, I kept them together. The millennials, only 4% of them are Bible-based. Do you, do you see do you see what's going on? We've gone from 65 to 35 to 16 to 4% that are Bible-based. Can we just say that we're going in the wrong direction as a nation? That what this means is 96% of millennials are rejecting the Bible as the word of God. And today, we need a refresh on the family, specifically biblical parenting. And, and I believe I'm gonna give a nugget Nuggets, and if you could just get one or two nuggets, aunts, uncles, grandparents, moms, dads, children. After first service, we had a great first service. A little 15-year-old guy caught me out in the hallway, <laughs> and I thought it was, he was a great guy. He put his arm around me like this, and I was a great guy. And so I put my arm around him like that, and I said, what's up? He goes, man, I felt it in there today. He goes, my, my mom and dad need to hear what you were saying in there today. I thought, isn't that great? A 15-year-old is getting that. Here's what I'm saying. This generation is in trouble unless we do something about it. And here's, we've got to, because can we just say that Oprah and Dr. Phil and Dr. Spock aren't working? I don't want I, I to, you know, get you upset about all that. But here's what I'm saying is we got to go back to what does the Bible say? Here's what Psalms 127 says. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. 
In other words, we've got to get God involved in building our house. This is a verse that we oftentimes use to talk about building churches, and I've done that myself. You go to a church conference, they're going to throw this verse in, but the reality of it is Psalms 127 is not a psalm written about building a church. It's a psalm written about building a family because in verse 3, it says, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. You remember that tomorrow morning, okay, everybody? Because <laughs> you know what first day of school is going to be like, you know. And children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. But you've got to get the Lord involved in building the house. Here's what I do know. If you're taking notes, write this thought down. A good family does not happen accidentally, but it requires intentionality. What I do know about this, a strong family requires effort. This is something that Dean and I work very, very hard at. This is something that, that we put a lot of effort in. And because what I do know is that these children and my family won't turn out the way they're supposed to turn out accidentally. It's going to require some intentionality. Proverbs 24 says it like this. It takes wisdom, which is what I'm hoping you get today, to, to have a good family. And I'm going to try to give you wisdom out of the word of God. I have about 16 different thoughts that I want to give out to you today. That's a lot for me to put in one message because here's what I reason I did it that way because I know not everyone's going to want every thought. And I'm hoping you can get one or two of these nuggets and apply them to your life. It takes understanding to make it strong. So what I am trying to accomplish today is because I want you to have a good family and a strong family. I want to give you some wisdom from the Bible and some understanding how to apply that. Now, to set this up for you, let me, let me give you these different styles of parenting out there. And what, what has happened in, our, in the last 40 years, our, sort of our parental style has changed as a nation. We started off with, and most of you know this, the authoritarian parenting. And this is what we call behavior modification, this, the goal of authoritarian parenting is to, it's all about the end result. It's all about getting them to behave at all costs. And so, and so what you do is, here's what that mentality is. You better obey me or else. This is how I was raised. You're going to obey me or it's going to cost you something. And, uh, and the thing, kind of like this, you know, like, like one mom said, I brought you into the world. I could take you out of this world. Dad said, I made you one of you. I can make two of you if I have to. You know, and that's all about, this is all, this is, this is all about the right behavior. And listen, I understand why we have this because kids are just kids. Sometimes you tell a, you tell a child, Hey, don't run out into the street. You can run anywhere in the yard, but don't run out into the street. They'll say, okay, mom. Okay, dad. And they will run right to the edge and they'll go like this. So I understand why we have this authoritarian parenting. The problem with this it's short-sighted. It's all about getting the right behavior only. It doesn't train their heart. Here's the second style that kind of in the 60s has evolved, and it's the permissive style parenting. And this, is a, this, this came around in the 60s all about the love move. And it all was about, you just got to be loved. You got to love them and you just got to adore them and just shower them with approval and shower them with praise. No matter how rotten they are, just tell them how great they are. And then they're throwing a fit. Aren't they so cute? I was in Panera, true story, a couple of weeks ago, right over here in Red Bug. And, and um, man, I was just, I, just going through and grabbing something quick to eat. And the little, little child there, I think it was mac and cheese or some kind of food, didn't like it and threw it across the floor. 
And I thought, because listen, this is how I was raised. And, and I saw the parent, they go, oh, isn't, I'm telling you, isn't he so cute? Oh, he's just hungry. You know, he's just hungry. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with this style of parenting is you've made the mistake of thinking that kids by nature are good. You know that's not true. And then there's a third style. And this is what we're trying to get, we're trying to accomplish in the next 20 minutes. And that is biblical parenting. And the goal of biblical parenting, here's what it is, to raise them up to make the right decisions, to put enough values on the inside of them where they'll make the right decision. The goal is, the goal is not just to get them to behave right. The goal is that when they leave your home, they'll make the right decision. And the truth of the matter is a large percentage of our young people are not making the right decisions when they get out of the home. Things are out of control in our culture. So I wanna do this. I wanna unpack a verse for you. And in this verse, just one verse I wanna unpack for you. And in this verse describes the life of Jesus. And in this, we see his, his age when he was born as a baby for a couple of years. There's a lot of verses on him. Then there's one when he's going to the temple, you know, and he's learning from, he's, he's actually teaching the scribes. And then we kind of, there's no more verses about his life. For about 18 years, it's really kind of silent. Really for about 20, 28 years, there's just a few verses, but there's only one verse that really describes his adolescence, his elementary years, his teenage years, his young adult years. And it's found in Luke chapter two. And in verse 52, and it says, and Jesus grew in four areas. He grew in wisdom, he grew in stature, he grew in favor with God, and he grew in favor with man. These four areas. He, he was developed in four areas. Number one, he was developed in wisdom, that is his intellect. Number two, his stature, that is his life purpose. Number three, his favor with God, which is growing spiritually. And lastly, favor with man, which is growing socially. All four of these areas. And in fact, this is kind of what we've based our entire children's ministry on this this kind of concept and this kind of thought. Like, I want to say this to you, like in our nursery, you know, we have, but you didn't get to see all the nursery and toddlers. There's more kids than what you saw today. There's a whole nother wing over there of young kids in there. And they're not in there. We're not just babysitting your children, feeding them goldfish and feeding them cookies so you can sit in service. No, they're in there and they're getting ministered to even at a very young age, even at a few months old. Even here at East Coast Believers, we believe every, every spirit is alive unto God. And so when a baby comes in, they pray over that baby. They literally put a mirror up in front of that baby's face and say, God loves you. They rub that baby's hand across the Bible and say, this is God's word. This is God speaking to you. They're in there. They're changing diapers and doing all that, but they're loving on your kids and they're imparting into their lives. I mean, you know, you should hug your nursery worker today. Tell them, you should tell them thank you after that. But even our, even our, our elementary East Coast kids and East Coast youth is sort of built on this kind of thought right here that we want to build them in four different areas. In, in elementary right now, they're having a power pack service. They have a worship service. They have a short time of teaching. And then they break down into small groups because we want them to develop socially. The reason we do small groups for them on Sundays is because here's practical reason. They don't have a car. They can't drive. You can, so you do yours on a different night. Okay, so let's, let's, let's unpack these four in a few minutes. Number one is he grew in wisdom. 
Someone says, well, come on, pastor, how do you grow your kids in wisdom? You talking about just getting smarter? You talking about tutors? No, here's wisdom in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Teach them, here it is, if we're looking for a takeaway, teach them to reverence the Lord. Teach them to honor and reverence, the, not be afraid of God, but to reverence God. To, to the point of they understand that everywhere they go, God is there with them. Everything they do, God is there. And we've gotten to kind of cultural where we're flippant with our language, white lies are okay, it's okay to mischaracterize, and you know, we want to honor God at church, but Monday through Saturday, that's a different story. No, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Psalms 34 says it like this, come my children and listen to me, and here it is, because it won't come to them naturally, I will teach you to fear the Lord, to reverence the Lord. One of our children Young, a few years ago, she, um, sweet spirit, and uh, every night when they go to bed, we go up there, Dean and I, and we pray with them, and oftentimes I, you know, especially when they're young, because I know when they get old, they don't want to do this. I don't know why, but I like to cuddle with them, and, um, you know, and I like to hold them, and, you know, and, and, um, and so uh, then they, then I go in my room, and they're, they're going to sleep, and so one night, I, was, I lay down after praying with them, and, and, um, I was kind of falling asleep. I'm, a, I'm an early riser, and, and so I kind of go to bed a little earlier. And um, I kind of, if you're a parent, you understand this. You kind of feel this airy presence. Your eyes are closed, but it's like that far away from you. And there's two little eyes that close to me. And I open up, and, and one of my daughters says, Daddy, can I talk to you? And I'm like, right now? What about? And they go, Daddy, please. And so I get up out of bed and walk out into the hallway. We had this long hallway, and... and um, she said, Daddy, you know when you said, did I brush my teeth? I said, yeah. She goes, well, I didn't. I'm like, okay. She said, am I in trouble? I said, no, don't tell your mother. And uh, <laughs> just don't tell mommy you're okay. And she walked away and she turned. I'll never forget it. She grabbed my leg and she started sobbing, crying. She goes, but I lied and God heard it. I know we go, ah, oh, you know, like that. I know it's cute, but you know, that's, kind of, that's what the fear of the Lord is. It's not being afraid of him. It's an awesome reverence for him. How do you grow in wisdom? Here's another thing we do. We teach your children that the Bible is our instruction manual for life. That the Bible's not a book about God. It is God, and it's a book that you use it as an instruction manual. Life has two teachers. Both of them are very, very effective. There's one is wisdom. That's the best teacher. You learn that on the front end. The other is consequence. Consequence often will cost you way more than you want to pay. Both of them will teach you the same thing. But smart people get their wisdom from the word of God and they get it on ahead of time. Here's what Deuteronomy says. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Like, he says, commit to talking about the Bible. I'm not talking about everything has to be, you know, a, a three-point message, but hey, I'm going to introduce the Bible into our lives. One of, my son, one, of my, one of our children talked to me a few months ago, and, and when he sat down, he goes, hey, Dad, listen, I need to talk to you, but listen, I don't need a Bible verse. He says, I just want to talk to you. I'm like, okay, and so we, we talked, and I listened, and we talked, and I listened, and I said, well, I know you don't want a Bible verse, but let me just give you one on the way out. <laughs> because here's what I know. If you base your life on God's word, you'll be okay. 
And when I would, as a practical thing, I would say this, moms and dads, start a devotion in your home. We do one and, and we do it in the mornings, just about a minute long, minute and a half. We read and then we don't get it perfect. Like this week, I can promise you this week, we're gonna go five for five. We're gonna get every single day. Next week, we'll probably go four for five. Next week, we'll do three for five. We'll kind of settle in about three for five before it's over and done with. That's just kind of our pattern. But what I'm saying is attempt at least to bring God's word into your home the best way you can. How else can you grow in wisdom? Teach your children to guard their hearts. Here's what the Bible says. I will not look on anything. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I just want to do a timeout here. I just want to take the pastor hat off for a moment. And I just want to talk to you as a friend. I deal with difficult situations in people's lives. And I can trace it back to often allowing the, your young people to see things and view things and be a part of things they shouldn't have been a part of. And I'm gonna say something that the young people are gonna hate. I'm sorry, students and youth, is guard what they look at with a passion. They have phones, I'm okay, have phones, and we have different rules for different age groups in our home. They have phones, but every single one of them, I know their passwords. And I don't hesitate ever to walk by and pick up their phone, hit that password, and look at what they're looking at in their phone. Because here's, here's the reason why. When I was a young person, I had to go look for trouble. Moms and dads hear me. Trouble comes looking for them. Now, do you know that by the age of 18, the average teenager by the age of 18 has viewed 100,000 sexual acts on television. 91% of them out of wedlock. That means only 9% are within the confines of the marriage bed. Do you know they've seen 8,000 acts of what they call extreme violence by that age? Newer numbers have just come out. From the age of seven to the age of 12, somewhere, somewhere around 10, the, I know not for you average, but for the average young person in America today, they are given four hours a day to the screen. We have to be vigilant about making sure that we create a filter, help them guard their heart, everybody. Number two, grow in stature. Like, what is that? Grow in stature? Here it is. That's growing in your purpose. I don't, it's not just talking about your physical body, what you eat and exercise. That's important. But I think there's, when I think about the body, I think about why were you created, why you're allowed to live on earth. I like what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20. He said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. One of the great lies going on today in our culture and even in the church is this. Come on, honey. Come on, son. Come on, daughter. You can do anything you want with your life, which is true if you're not a believer. But if you're a believer, you can do, here's what you should say. You can do anything God's asked you to do. In other words, here's what you want to teach them. Give your life to God's purpose. To give your life to God. Find out why you were created. I think the genius, and I didn't start off pastoring this way. I've learned this along the way. The genius of what we do at East Coast Believers through Grow is that we, we, we don't just teach membership and, and, and the function of the church and your part in the church. Grow three, which is next week, I know a shameless plug, um, is, is we help you discover why you were created. 
We give gift tests and personality tests. They put all that together. And at the end, we help you discover your design because we believe in your design is revealed your destiny. And we help you discover why you exist and what your purpose is on this planet Earth. And you know, being a part of a church and serving in a church is part of it. We had a guest here Wednesday night named Daniel Groves. had a great worship service. First Wednesday was really good. And he was just telling me that his dad, you know, was a drug addict and, a, and actually had dr- sold drugs and abused his mom and all sorts of things. Well, awful things happened, but over a period of time, they, the relationship kind of started coming back and he invited his dad to church. And his dad didn't want to go to church. His dad didn't have any, any desire to go, but he was going to go just for his son. And when he went... He pulled up on the church parking lot and, and he said, man, I don't want to be here. And, and finally, a, a parking lot attendant, a street great person walked up and opened their car door and said, welcome, sir. So glad to have you. He goes, well, I don't want to be here. And the, and the parking lot guy walked him in and became his friend. It was at that service that his dad got born again and got saved and set free. Come on. Somebody was using their life to make a difference in someone else's life. Here's what else you can teach your kids is this, is to be a leader, not a follower. It's so easy today to be, we live in a, a culture where there's, we're following and we're not leading. Come on, if your son and daughter is serving God and living for God, teach them. Come on, don't follow, be a leader. Make that decision. I'm not gonna be influenced. I'm gonna be the influencer. And that's something we just kind of constantly put into our children. Hey, you're, you're not to be influenced. You're the one that's going to be do the influencing. Amen. Number three, it says he had favor with man. We're talking about, here it is. The third year we have to work on is relationships. This is a big one. Of all four, this one's really important. This is the one that you'll get the most immediate return on if you'll deal with this right away. Here's what I'm saying to you. We have to teach them to choose relationships carefully. Because I oftentimes, you've heard me say it, you show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your future. You show me your company and I'll show you what you'll be, you'll be like down the road. And this is one area where we choose, we, we, we get, Dean and I get really involved in this. We oftentimes tell our children, hey, you can choose your friends. You can choose any friends you want so long as you choose the right ones. If you choose the wrong ones, we're going to get involved and we're going to put a stop to it. We, we keep a real close eye on this. You know why? Because Proverbs 13 says, you walk with the wise, you become wise. You associate with fools and you're going to get into trouble. Here, here's what I know. You walk with the right people, life turns out good. You walk with the wrong people, you're going to get in trouble. And I, can I just tell you, I know this is a war. This is a battle. And this is a war, guys. This is a fight that's worth fighting. Get involved in your children's friendships. Get involved in who they're hanging out with. Research, get to know them, see what they're acting like, see what they're behaving like. Because why? They're going to become like them one day. It's a battle worth fighting, everybody. And when it comes to relationships, also teach them to respect and honor. Respect and honor. This is, these are two words that we're not really using much anymore. And we have to teach young people to respect the elderly, to respect older people. Blows me away. I travel a lot. 
And I just, like this last week, I was traveling, and I was just blown away. Three rows back, I'm sitting, I'm seeing an older person struggling to get their luggage up over in the overhead compartment, and three young people just sitting there looking at them. I got up out of my seat, and I did what I do. I huffed, and I puffed, and I let them know I wasn't happy to help them have to put that up three rows back. But what's going on with our culture where we're not respecting people like that? Dads, respect your wives. Your children are watching. Honor. Add, we've got to add value to people. We've got to get back to, are we adding value to the, where we work at, to the church we attend, to, to the city that we live in? Are we adding value to our neighbor's lives? Are we adding value to people in their relationships? Here's the verse. Don't be selfish. Come on. Is this describe our generation? Selfish? Don't try. Come on. We're the generation. We are the selfie generation. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. And that's kind of what we've got to do now. It's a lifestyle where we're going to respect and honor. Tell my, we've, we've gotten involved in, we, we've helped both our older children get vehicles and it's just something that, that, that we've done and they've had to help too, but, but and, 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 you know, they look at them and people will say, well, you didn't get that kind of car when you were young. No, I didn't. My first car cost $500. You know, and I understand that. And, and, uh, and we, we love to bless our kids because, because if you have children, you want to bless them. And I'll give you a nugget here. But we do require this. If you want to bless your children without getting them spoiled, I'll tell you how. Two things we demand. We demand, number one, they appreciate and be thankful for what they've gotten. We demand it. And number two, they respect. They take care of what's been given to them. The minute, you don't, or the minute you quit being thankful and the minute you don't take care of it, I own it back again. My name's on that title. That's a nugget that'll help somebody here. A few, last school year, we were, we were doing a teacher-parent conference and um, it was wrapping up the school year and, and our youngest son was... Um, in the grade he was in, they're in a minute math test. If you know anything about the minute math test, it's a big stressful thing, you know. And thank God we're our last one. And uh, they got to go through addition and subtraction one minute at a time and do it all by heart. And, um, and they stressed out. And we, would, we would have nights of just stressed, uh, the timer going off, missing it, missing it. Miss, and we finally got it. And, and the reason I found out, my son's, my seven-year-old's very competitive like his mother. And I'm um, and, uh, just kidding. And that's for me. And, um, and, so, and so he was wanting to be the first in the class. And so they put all their, they put their progress up on this board and they're, they got these little cars that are moving them ahead. And so he finally finished. And he was so excited and all that. And so anyways, his buddy, his desk mate beside him wasn't done yet. And so they were taking these one minute math tests, the teacher was telling us. And so she, our son was there and he put his head down and he was whispering. So the teacher came up to him and she's wondering what he's doing. Like, what are you doing? And, and he's talking or what during this test? And she finally got on the side. He said, he said, I was praying for my friend that he'd pass his test. Guys, that's called adding honor to other people. We've got to take an interest in others too. Let me wrap it up with this. i got two minutes with you. Favor with God. We've got to teach them to grow spiritually. This is the one. If I had the time, I don't have time, I'm done. But if I had the time, this is the one that I would spend the most time on. How do you, how do you, 
help your children grow spiritually? How do you get them to take an interest in God? How do you get them to want to go to church and take an interest in church? How do you you get them to be generous? How do you get them to serve others? How do you get them to love others? How How do you get them to worship God uninhibitedly and passionately? And how do you get them to live a God first life? You want to know the answer? It's not profound, but it's true. Here it is. You want them to grow spiritually? Here's what you have to do. You have to model passionate Christianity. We we can't preach it. We got to live it. Because here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. He said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. And that's that's how you get them to grow spiritually. You want them to read read their Bible? Read your Bible. You want them to love church? Come on, fall in love with church. You want them to serve God? Serve God. You want them to be generous? Be generous. You want them to pray? Pray. I'm I'm an early riser. And... uh, more so than the others in our family. And, and so I usually get up and read my Bible in the morning and I'm, and I'm pretty, pretty disciplined about it because I need it. And um, here in the last few years, God's really been dealing with me to stop on the weekends and, and not, not read my Bible early in the morning, which kind of goes against even what I teach you, like God first, you know. And, and the reason he dealt with me is this, he said, I want you to wait till all the kids wake up, read your Bible. I said, well, I didn't know why. I said, why, Lord? Just why? He said, just do it. And now I know why. Because it's good for their kids to see their dad opening their Bible and reading it. Sometimes, even in church, I'm going to worship passionately. You don't even know sometimes what I hear before service. I hear awful things sometimes in between first and second service. People are dying. People's families breaking, falling apart. I hear people got bad news, kids this, families that. I hear all sorts of things. But I'm going to come out here and I'm going to lift my hands passionately. You know why? I want you to see a pastor who loves God with all his heart. I want to try to model that for you, what that looks like. The greatest gift you could ever give your children, moms and dads, model passionate Christianity. Thank you for listening to the East Coast Believers Church podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more info about this podcast or other resources, visit eastcoastbelievers.org.